Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first recording of the new year. I have with me a great guest today, um, someone who just produces a ton of content. It's got so much uh, information for you to, to gobble up, and I'm very fortunate. We're very fortunate to have him on the show. Uh, Dr. Salerno, Chris Salerno of Dental Economics. Go ahead and say hello. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, you, you're what's up. And we're, we're, um, we're just pumped to have you here because, uh, you know, not only just the topic um, of what we're going to talk about, but your experience. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, um, how you got into dentistry and how you got to where you're at now? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a practicing dentist on Long Island, New York. Uh, it's it's urban suburban as I like to call it. It's the suburbs, but it's a lot of people packed into a small little little island right off of Manhattan. Um, so it's pretty fast paced. There's a ton of dentists, ton of competition. I started a practice ten years ago with my business partner, Dr. Aaron Thomas, and and uh, you know I practiced the associate thing a few years before before then. And ten years later, we're we're doing great. We're real busy. Uh, along the way, um, you know, I discovered my passion for doing a bunch of other things. I'm, I'm ADD. I can't sit still. I can't just do one thing. I'll go crazy. So I got very involved with the ADA and, and organized dentistry. Um, I'm the chief editor for dental economics, uh, uh, which you referenced. I've been doing that for about six years now. I love that. Um, helps me travel a bunch and meet with different companies and just help meet, meet key opinion leaders and find like new, exciting stories to, to, to tell people. Um, and my gosh, this is a, uh, it's just been an amazing time for dentists to get excited about business information for their practices uh, because we're all struggling with that. And I do it all, a lot of lecturing. I love lecturing. I love teaching groups of dentists, dental students, new dentists, um, just walking them through some basic business principles from more financial stuff to building business plans, yeah, you name it. That's that's my one of my biggest passions. So I, I juggle all of those things and, and that that keeps me sane. Yeah, so um, I want you to bring that energy uh, with the show today, which you have, which is great. And I want you to just jump right into our format. And let's talk a little bit about um, some problems that you see dentists have, uh, not just in your state, but nationally. You know, the biggest one, I mentioned business models, which which can sound like a really dry topic. But I've, I've seen way too many of my colleagues locally, nationwide, around the world that, you know, hang up the proverbial shingle and say, hey, I'm a dentist, John Q., public DDS, family, cosmetic, implant dentistry, you know, and uh, they just expect patients to happen, right? And so um, we, when I talk about a business plan, it's not just about how to get a loan or, or, or whatever, but this is what informs how you greet the world and, and roll out the red carpet and welcome people into your, your practice. So I look at it as, as the, the critical foundation for your marketing and, and, I'm not a marketing expert. You are, but but I'm not a marketing expert. But marketing really is, as, as I'm sure you would agree, a lot more than just the the Facebook ads you run or a billboard or direct mail. It's all of the ways you craft an important and unique and interesting experience for very specific types of people, right? And the more specific you get with that experience for that target, those target markets. The more unique it is, the more uh, the, the less often it can be challenged by competition, 
um, the more you'll you'll just be able to welcome those people in in droves because you've been something really special to to target groups. And I just think dentists don't. That's the problem is that dentists don't think that way. They just think I'm a dentist. I work on teeth. If you have teeth or if you don't have teeth, come see me. I'll give you teeth. I'll work on the ones you have. Uh, that's my business model. And that's it. Right. That's the level of analysis that goes into their business plan. And I think we could do a lot better than that. Yeah, there's almost a bit of, and I, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but there's almost a little bit of a sense of entitlement in the healthcare industry, not just dentists, but doctors as well. That hey, I you know I did the work, I, I was disciplined, I studied, I have a great skill, I have decent bedside manner, and I'm going to open up a, a shop and I'm going to be successful. And that oftentimes yeah. doesn't happen, right? It doesn't you're absolutely happen. right. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I completely agree with you. And I'll say it as a, as a practicing dentist, I think some dentists are are really entitled about it. They think, well, look, I, do you know how good my class two resins are? Oh my God. I put the most gorgeous anatomy. I see the Instagram post that they do. And that's awesome. Yeah. Do amazing dentistry by sure. all means, but your patient has no freaking clue what you're doing in their mouths. They don't know how gorgeous it is. Yeah. If you do like eight and nine, they, they you know, the, if you do the social six teeth, sure. They, they know generally the quality of your work, but other than that, they don't, right. They know, they know other things about the, the what they rave about online and what, what gets them excited to refer their friends and family. The reason they see you is about all of the other stuff beyond just your clinical expertise. So for dentists that are just relying on their clinical expertise, they're really missing a boat and missing the opportunity to create a business that is more unique and that can withstand. I don't care who opens up across the street from me. My business is unique and I'm, I'm appealing to a target demographic or target demographics. So in, in your travels, and I know being unique is important, right? If you if you want to be in that top 10 or 20%, um, then you need to produce um, a product that's in the top 10 or 20%. And people yes. don't buy dentistry. They buy people at the end of the day. They, they don't actually buy dentistry, right? That's why DSOs have, I'm not here to rip on DSOs. I think they serve a, a, a great purpose. Um, but typically when you have associates and you have turnover and associates, People will stop going to that dent that will stop going to that DSO and will follow that associate somewhere. Why? And, and why do we require NDAs, right? Um, or why do we require non competes? Um, because it's the person that the, that that people are buying. It's not the actual mm -hmm. industry itself. So, um, with that being said, tell me some things that you see practices across the the country, you know, that really stand out and that are doing something different, are are unique. You know, I think it's because they they realize what they what business they should be in and what business they should not be in. Um, they recognize what they're enjoy what they enjoy. They enjoy surgically placing implants. They enjoy cosmetic dentistry. They enjoy whatever. They come up with a list of the procedures they enjoy doing that they can't wait to do more of, and the stuff that they just don't care about. And they. I don't want to say the word specialized because obviously that means something in particular in dentistry, but they focus their practice on doing more of the stuff that they love doing. And then they go through this business plan exercise like we're talking about or marketing exercise to then welcome more of that in their practice. Look, there are people that are very happy being generalists, the family practitioners. They love running, doing a molar endo in one room, running over, doing a filling in another room, then doing an implant crown. And that keeps them happy. And that's awesome because there's a huge market for that. Right. But there's also a market for people that build a certain type of experience. So you referenced DSOs like 
I have no, I'm not anti DSO at all. I think that it, it serves a purpose for the dentists that want to work in that environment and for patients that want to have that kind of dental experience. That's fine. Good on them. But, you know, just like I like to eat at more restaurants than just McDonald's, I'm sure glad there's mom and pop dental practices and restaurants, you know, to use the metaphor, but I'm sure glad there's mom and pop local restaurants uh, high end, low end, the dingy bar with uh, trash on the floor and beer peanuts strewn all over the place. I love that joint. Give me the dive bar experience, but I also want the high end experience. I love that there's this variety of experiences that I can choose to go to. And yeah, the dental office, the way a patient chooses a practice, it's not the same thing, but there is a similarity. There is an analogy we can draw here. That patients, there are patients that don't care. They just want the cheapest thing. They're in and they're out, right? There's a practice for them. That doesn't have to be your practice, right? You can welcome them in and be that certain type of focused dentist for them. And then you'll you'll crush it. You'll do very, very well. And, and you can use, you know, traditional marketing and all of these things to enhance that and sustain it. But it's also about how you build the practice, the hours that you keep, where you're located, the design of your practice. There's so many other things that fall in to giving this person that kind of experience. And then, and then you'll welcome them in. So I get excited when I look across the country and I see people that are building those practices clearly to serve certain markets. It's the people that realized they should stop trying to be everything to everyone and be something really special to few groups. Yeah, that, that makes a, a lot of sense to me. I, I like to, um, when, when you talk about being specialized, right, having that niche audience and creating this niche messaging, in my opinion, it kind of needs to match the philosophy, the personal philosophy and the values of the person who's actually creating it. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm a pretty typical blue collar guy, but I like really nice things. Um, you know, I would want to create an audience that attracts blue collar people who want a high quality of service. Right. That would just make sense because that's who I am. It seems to yeah. me like. If you're a dentist and and you don't like foo-foo and you don't like luxury and you don't like, um, you know, being pampered, then don't create the dental spa experience um, because you think it'll make money because it's not who you are. And it's, right. it's going to there's going to be a disconnect when that patient comes in for that experience and you're not that person. Do you yeah. agree? That's exactly right. So, so the book I, I often recommend, the philosophy I recommend is called, it's the business model canvas. This was created by a guy named Osterwalder. The book is business model generation. It came out a bunch of years ago. I, I recommend it to everyone that can get their hands on it. I wrote an article in DE, oh, late last year. I think it was maybe in the October, November issue, just about how to apply the business model canvas to, uh, to what we do. It's a whole series of steps. And I go through versions of that. Uh, when I when I lecture, do full day courses on that uh, on that concept, and and I always give credit to Osterwalder for it. But the first two steps are, are what are good for our conversation today, and it's what we've been talking about. Number one, identify a target market. Who are the people? We're not talking about dentistry. We're not talking about procedures. Who are the people you want to treat more of? You know, the the blue collar guys and gals that that are appreciative and and say yes and thank you uh, that show up on time. That that value, yeah, they they're value driven. You know, they're they're not maybe going to pay a ton a ton of money out of pocket, but but some of them will. Um, that is a great target market. I practice for years. My practice today currently welcomes a lot of 
good, hardworking, blue-collar people. That's a great demographic. Other target markets people mentioned, soccer moms. You know, I, I, I built my practice around attracting busy business people in my area, Melville, Long Island. There's tons of businesses, U.S. headquarters all over the place. Once you identify the type of people you, you, you want to treat, you then figure out step two, what is your unique selling proposition to them? And we're still not talking about dentistry. No, they want veneers. No, 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 no. Like what is special about your practice that will attract them, right? So my two target demographics are seniors and uh, busy business people, right? Kids is not on my list. Right. I'll treat kids in my practice. But if you walk into my practice as a senior or as a busy business person, a VP of whatever at some company, you're not going to walk in and see like the kitty table with broken crayons because that's a disconnect, right? If, if you and your family go out to a nice dinner and you walk into this awesome restaurant and there's a you know high end bar and all this awesome stuff, but then there's like a ball pit with kids not all over it. You're gonna be like, uh, how much am I paying on this meal? Like there's a disconnect, right? And dental offices need to acknowledge the same thing. And, and once you start to go through that exercise, all the decisions from what business hours you keep to the decor, to where you spend your marketing dollars, all of those things start to make sense. Yep. Absolutely. You're hundred percent correct on that. I I just couldn't agree more uh, with you on that. So, um, what are some, I, I know you kind of gave a couple of steps and one, could you repeat that book for me? What was the book that you mentioned? I haven't heard of it. Business Model Generation. It's uh, by Osterwalder and the concept is called the Business Model Canvas. So if you just Google Business Model Canvas, you'll, 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 find, you'll find this guy, these guys. Uh, you can get the book on Amazon, uh, no doubt. And they have a whole, I think Strategizer is the name of the website where they continue these concepts and adapt them to different businesses and whatnot. Yeah, awesome. Um, Dr. Salerno, I want one more thing. We got about a minute, a minute and a half left. Tell us a little bit more about, I know you mentioned DE, dentaleconomics.com. Tell us a little bit more about that publication. And, and what, yeah. Uh, so look, Dental Economics has been around since 1911. Um, and uh, if you read the issues going back to them, which I have the chance to do whenever I visit the home office in Tulsa, you know, I pick up a random issue. Dentists were always freaking out about human resources, like finding the right person to staff. They were always freaking out about finances. They were... Dentists are always freaking out, you know, like there's some problems that are not new at all. And then there are new challenges that we face. And I'm I'm very fortunate to be in the position as chief editor for dental economics to uh, be able to to, you know, bring in and curate content that is helping dentists figure out how to solve all the problems that they're having, just like you're doing with this podcast. Like, let's get super focused. We know this is keeping you awake at night. Well, here's some, here's some experts that are going to chime in on this and help you out. Um, it, it's uh, I'm just the luckiest person in the world that I get to, you know, speak with these luminaries on a regular basis and help them write content for, for everyone else out there. Yeah. We appreciate what you do there. We appreciate you coming on the show and sharing with us. Uh, Chris Salerno, Dr. Chris Salerno, uh, dentaleconomics.com. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.